0: You're listening to The Beautiful Life Podcast, where we believe this is no ordinary life and every day an opportunity to discover more of God's heart, pursue His manifest presence and make a difference by no ordinary means. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Nigel Desmond. For more information and other resources, visit www.noordinarylife.co.za So, I want to carry on digging in uh, on the subject of love. And I want to speak about uh, the significance of our life from a biblical perspective. How do we find biblical significance? And it's been interesting, the more I've been digging in on the subject of love, just feeling like that that was God's word for us as a community this year. It's funny how just things start coming to you. So, I was reading a virgin act of... A magazine, I think it's called Activate or something. I was reading that um, last night and I was struck by this paragraph. One of the things, as they were the opening to this, um, this article, they were writing on community and there was a study done by Harvard University that found that loneliness is one of the biggest epidemics in the world today. And that loneliness is a greater um, what's an indicator or predictor of ill health than diabetes, heavy drinking, uh, um, uh, you know poor lifestyle choices like um, you know not exercising, etc. That loneliness led people um, or predicted more that uh, you know ill health would come. I was really struck by that because I realized that in the way that God has designed you, the way that God created you, God created you to connect. We are creatures of relationship. One of the first things, actually the first thing that the Bible says about man, is that man was made in the image of God. And God is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. And so, in the unity and in the trinity of God, at the core of who God is, is relationship. So, when God created you, He created you in the context of relationship and for relationship. Which is why, to this day, the most severe punishment that's given to, to prisoners, political prisoners, or, you know, incorrigible prisoners, is they take them and they put them into solitary confinement. And it, it's, you know, it, it's extraordinary that the most brutal thing you can do to a person is to put them by themselves. Even the most introverted amongst us you know, I must admit, when I was a dad of very small children, there were moments when I wanted that childhood punishment of, Go to your room! Oh, yes. yeah, it's like, yeah, please, you know, it's funny, you, you, get, you, you get older and the childhood punishments are actually blessings, you know. That's it! Yeah, adult blessings. That's it. In your room by yourself for the next two hours. Really? Yep. Okay. (laughs) But if it extends for a longer period of time, it becomes unbearable. (laughs) And the reason for that is you were made, you were created to be known, to be seen, and to be loved. That's amazing in your design you were known you were made to be known to be seen and to be loved and the amazing thing is is that jesus when someone came to him and asked him and said lord what are the greatest commandments of the law what what's the great commandment and it was an expert in the law came to jesus to uh, to test him Jesus' reply is indicative of that. He said, The greatest commandment is this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your strength. And the second is like unto this. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, All the law and the commandments hang on these two commands. It's quite extraordinary that... Jesus, in a moment, summing up uh, summing up our purpose, he hung it on the word love. You, your life was made. God's whole purpose for you was to love and to be loved. That's just amazing. The When you get to heaven one day, I believe that that's going to be the summing up of our lives. It's like, how did you love? How, where did you love? Not only that, but it's actually, it's a step back from that, it's actually going to be, did you stop long enough to be loved? Because, that, you know, the reality is, you can't really love until you know you are loved. When, when you know that you are loved, you love better. And, okay, let me give you an example. You walk into a room and there's just a whole bunch of strangers there. Alright? You don't know any of them and they don't know you. How do you react? How many many of you are like, you walk into the room. Now, there are some amongst us who do this. And I I have a personal friend, um, a pastor. I don't know if any of you know, Pastor Scott Marks. He leads a, a movement. Pastor Scott Marks. He's one of those guys. He just goes through life with the assumption that you love him. Even if you have never met him. And so, literally, I, I remember I'd been at university for a whole year when Scott came down. You, I knew him from Zimbabwe. He came, and within a week, he had more friends than I did.
1: He just,
0: he, he walks into a room and he's like, hey, guy, hi, what's
1: your name? Lauren. Oh, so nice to meet you. It's my birthday. Message.
0: What are you going to get? Again?
1: I am not
0: kidding you. I watched him do that. To people he had just met. It's my birthday next week. This is my room number. What are you going to get me? I'm thinking, that's not going to work. Man, on his birthday, I come out of my room. His room was down the corridor. There was a crowd outside of his room with people waiting to deliver their gifts. I was like, man, I am missing something in my life. He just goes through life with this assumption that everyone uh, loves him. And as a consequence, they do. I, I remember being in a room with him when our pastor explained to him, because we'd gone on a mission trip, that he had offended someone. And the pastor sat him down and said, Scotty, the, uh, the chaplain of such and such university, University of Zimbabwe, really doesn't like you. Scott was so shocked. He was like, Really? What's wrong with them?
1: <laughs> Jesus, I, I want some of that.
0: <laughs> but for the most of us, we will walk into a room if we don't feel seen or known. We, we kind of tend to pull back. Am I right? We, we kind of, like, you know, get a little uncomfortable. Maybe, hi, I'm Nigel. with the uni. You start to get some. To but what is it like when you walk into a room with your family or the people you know and love, your people? You walk in as like my people, <laughs> like when you come to church on Sunday morning. Like, hey, these are my people. Yes, yeah, all my favorite people. Your joy goes up. Do you know you were designed for that? This, this, is, this is part of a God has made us to connect with one, a, uh, one another. True eternal identity and significance... is rooted in love. In being love and giving love. In the end, that is the thing that's going to count the most. In God's kingdom, relationship is the core, the grid... The lenses of everything. Of everything. In fact, if you read the Bible through any other lens than a relational lens, you're not going to get it. You're going to miss the message of the Bible. Because in God's kingdom, as it is in many things in life, it's not what you know. It's who you know that gets you in.
1: Come
0: on. When you get to heaven, Peter's not going to be at the pearly gates saying, Ah, yes, nice to have you here. Sue, we we've been, we've been watching you. Um, just come in. There, you know, you've done a great many years of study. Come in. There, uh, sit down. The paper's on the desk. There is an entrance exam.
1: <laughs> that is
0: not how it's going to go. But many Christians live... As if that was how, what was going to happen. That, you know, we need to study because there's going to be an entrance exam. And if we get it wrong and if we don't know the meaning of, you know, the millennium or the eschatological, ontological epiphany of all time, we might not make it. No, it's not going to be like that. It's going to be, Hi, Sue, who's friend of you? Jesus. Come on in! She will walk up to the gates and Peter will say, Hello. And she'll just say, I'm with him. <laughs> oh, come on. Right in. That's the kingdom. The kingdom is, I'm with him. I'm with Jesus. He's with me. And our journey on earth is to develop that relationship, learning to receive his love and consequently learning how to. To release and give His love in the world. Turn with me in your Bible to um, Exodus chapter 20. So my iPad chooses this moment to update my Bible app. Okay. It's a great moment. Okay. Okay, it's updated. Wow. Well done, iPad. <laughs> Okay, Exodus chapter 20, and we're going to read the Ten Commandments. The law. Okay, so it's really interesting because a lot of Christians um, have got a very bad relationship with the Ten Commandments. Because they think that, okay, now we are in the New Testament... And we don't need the law uh, uh, anymore. And so, in fact, I've actually done this with many Christians and I've asked them, can you tell me the Ten Commandments? And and many Christians, you know, ah, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, There's something about the Sabbath. And it's like, actually, no. And often it's because they feel like if they know the law, they're being legalistic. But actually, it's not so, because I, I love this statement. I've said it a couple of times uh, this week. In the, um, in the Old Testament, the New Testament is concealed. But in the New Testament, the Old Testament is revealed. When you take the New Testament as the lenses in which you peer into the Old Testament, you will see what was hidden there all the time. You see, the reality is the Old Testament. You know, some people think that in the Old Testament God was grumpy. And then he cheered up in the New Testament. (laughs) And they're like, they have this mindset that Old Testament, grumpy God. New Testament, happy God. Which God do we want to serve? Happy God. So I'm not going to venture into the Old Testament. It's not true. God has always been the same God. He is just, the Old Testament showed us that actually we can't come into relationship with God through our own effort. And actually, it's by grace that we are saved. But it also simultaneously reveals the nature of God. So, I'm going to look into the Ten Commandments very you know, I'm not going to do a deep, deep, deep dive in it. But I want you to see some amazing things about how God manifests the love of God in the Old Testament and in relationship. So, uh, Exodus chapter 20, uh, verses 1, 3 to 17 is the Ten Commandments, but we're not going to read all of them. I'll just read first 4 or 5. Verse 1. And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. By the way, I just want to say, and this is me just being pedantic. The first commandment is, you shall have no other gods before me. It isn't, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. (laughs) I've heard many Christians say, first commandment, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. No, that's a statement not a commandment. Okay. Anyway, sorry, I'm just I, pressing, on, pressing on. Forgive your past. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses His name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it it holy. Six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your manservant, uh, nor your maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. The Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, so that you may live long in the land. Um, the Lord your God is giving you. Okay, and then it's: Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony against your neighbor, and do not covet your neighbor's house, uh, wife, manservant, maidservant, ox, donkey, or anything else. So those are the ten, uh, ten Commandments. So, how are we to understand the Ten Commandments? Well, it's interesting because many people read the Ten Commandments, but because they don't start At I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery, and just jump to the commandments. They they miss the whole point. Because you see, the preamble are the lenses you're meant to put on in order to read the commandments. Because the commandments don't bring you into relationship with God. No, they were already in relationship with God. So God's saying to them, I am the guy who came to Egypt where you were enslaved. I am the guy who came looking for you, me. I am, uh, I am, which is his personal name, the Lord, your God. That's awesome. He doesn't say, I am God. I am the God. I am the amazing God. He could have said all of that, but he doesn't say that. He says... I'm the God, the Lord your God, the Lord your God. What's he speaking then? He's saying, I'm the one who's already in relationship with you. And then he goes on to describe the boundaries of that relationship. The Ten Commandments weren't meant to bring you into relationship with God because they can't. It's not by your obedience that you come into relationship with God. It's by God's grace. You know the most amazing thing is? God delivered the Israelites out of Egypt. Many of them got delivered unwillingly. (laughs) It's like that. don't want to let us go and be slaves. And God says, no, I've got a better plan for your life. So he's saying, basically, he says to them, hey, I'm the guy who delivered you out of Egypt. I'm the guy who overcame your enemies. I'm the guy who provided for you in the desert. I'm the one, when you were thirsty, I'm the one who had Moses speak to the rock and water came out of it. I'm the guy who provided manna and quail and, and a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke. And because I'm that guy, now what I'm going to do is I'm going to describe what our relationship is going to look like. He didn't say, okay, hello, I am God. If you want a relationship with me, you better do this. Can you see the difference? See that's that that's the difference. Like when I when I got married to Debbie, we got and we got married, and certain things changed in the way I approached my life from that point on. Because now I am Nigel, the husband, your husband. <laughs> <laughs> And because now I am in relationship with her, the first commandment is, I shall have no other wives but you,
1: and thou shalt have no other
0: husbands than me.
1: But what we are
0: doing is we are are describing the boundaries of other relationships that we have because we want to protect it because it's precious. Do you see what I'm saying? And that's what God begi- uh, begins uh, to do here. And the preamble is the lenses through which we view everything. See, so many of us, we, we want to serve God. We want to, uh, to love God. But we think that it's in our own effort, our own striving, our own getting it right, that we have a relationship. But the reality is is You can never get that 100% right. Which is why Jesus came for your sin to to cover over your sin or have your sin forgiven to draw you back into the Father heart of God. Amen? And so, God gives them the Ten Commandments. The first commandment is, You shall have no other gods than me. You know, one of the things... There are many truths that you can get out of this. But one of the most amazing things that we get out of this is that actually there is only one truth. Truth is not relative, contrary to what the world tells us. And why is this important? Because have you ever felt... Have you ever felt like life can gaslight you? You know? You you, you think, man... Am I losing my mind? Because it feels like, I know this is true, but it just feels like that's true. Amen? It's like, you know, I was, I was telling Sagwadi the, the old joke of the, the man who wakes up on, on Sunday morning and he says, he says to his wife, I, I don't want to go to church, I don't want to go to church. And I said, but we have to go to church. No, I don't want to go to church. I, I, really, I, I don't, don't want to go to church. I'm tired. I've had a long week. I'm, I, I, don't, I, I don't know. And she says, but you have to... She said, why? I, I, I go there. No one talks to me. And I, I don't want to go to church. She said, no, but we have to go to church. She said, but no one even likes me there. She said, sweetheart, I know. But you're the pastor. You have to go to church.
1: <laughs>
0: you know... We can all wake up and we've got a mindset that is not true. Right?
1: Yeah. So, wow, you guys. No, sorry. You missed your moment then. You really missed your moment. You know? <laughs> no, you missed your moment, Mike. missed your moment. <laughs> so, life can
0: gaslight you. And, you know, you, you can go through times where you feel like, man, I, I feel like God's not there anymore, that He doesn't love me. I, I, I don't know if it's really true that God has a good plan for my life. Well, it's in moments like that when this commandment is for you. Because you know why? Because God's Word is the truth. His Word is the, uh, is the truth. There aren't many perspectives on this. This is why, when, when we look, uh, look at this, so much of our world would just be sorted out. They obeyed that commandment. Because for people who wake up and say, you know what? I think I'm a man born in a woman's body. Well, you might think that, but God's Word is the truth. And your perspective on something doesn't make it so. God's perspective in, in, the, in the New Testament Jesus talking about the love of money he says he, he's got this amazing statement I actually found it during uh, worship let me just read it to you it says the eye is the lamp of the body so then if your eye is clear your whole body will be full of light but if your eye is bad your whole body will be full of darkness if the light that is in you is darkness how great is that darkness I can for years I used to read that and think, what are you talking about, Jesus? You know? If you, your eye is clear, your body is full of darkness. And then it goes on and says, for no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. What's that talking about? Well, the key is in this. When it says... If your eye is clear, the Greek word there is the word... Um, I'll just read it to you. It is from haplos, which means single. Single. If you have got one perspective,
1: not two perspectives,
0: if you've got God's perspective, if you haven't got two gods, he goes on and says, listen, you know, you can't serve God... And wealth, but it can actually be God and fame, God and popularity. You can just fill in the blank there. If you have made God your God, then everything will be full of light. You will see clearly to navigate through your life. This is why the first commandment is so important. Because there are times when you're going through life. And it feels like the clouds are closed in around your life and you can't see. And it's at that time that you need to say, you know what, I'm believing. I am who God says I am and He is who He says He is. And then you have light to navigate through your life. Contrary to what the world tells us in today's day and age, truth is not relative. There is one God... He is our God. He has called us out of darkness. He has called us out of Egypt. And He's bringing us into inheritance of freedom. Amen? And you were made for God. I love that. I love the fact that He identifies Himself as your God. It's an amazing statement for the God of the universe to so identify Himself... With us. Isn't that amazing? The second commandment is. You shall not make for yourself an idol. In the form of heaven above. Or on earth beneath. Or on the waters below. You shall not bow down to them. For I the Lord your God. Am a jealous, jealous God. Punishing the children for the sin of the fathers. To the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing love to a thousand generations. Of those who love me and keep my commandments. Why is God so... um, on this thing about idols? Is He insecure? No! Not at all! The first thing that the Bible says about you and me, when we are created, is that we were created in the image of God. So you literally are an image of God. That when God created Adam and Eve, His first commandment to them was, Go forth and multiply. Which is quite extraordinary if you think about it. The first commandment that God gave Adam and Eve was, God has sex. I said that in church. <laughs> Seriously. That's amazing. Can you see how good God is? Anyway, we're moving on Okay. But <laughs> my wife's blushing on the front here but this is an amazing thing Is because every person who comes out of that union is an image of God so when you start making other images what you are actually doing or an idol when you make other images you're distorting the character of the image of God in the earth and you see That's why idolatry is an issue. It's because the enemy is desperately trying. He hates God and he hates the image of God that he
1: recognizes in you. And so he wants to
0: rub that out. Not only that, but he knows that if you begin bowing down to other images, you will start incorrectly understanding yourself. And that's a problem. And to the degree that you don't have a true picture of who you are, to that degree will you be enslaved in an area of your life. So, for example, you might set up an idol, an image. um, Modern idolatry, by the way, is normally just thoughts. You know, it's like, we used to build them out of gold and silver and wood, but now we've got thoughts. And that image we carry is... You know, um, when, when, I was, when I was younger in the, uh, in the ministry and I've written this in our book, man, I had this image of the dude I needed to be. And I took bits and pieces of other, uh, other uh, people in order to picture who I was going to make myself become. And it was, it was, I took a bit of my dad's learning and erudition. My dad was an extremely uh, well read, well spoken man. I pictured my dad, took took a bit of my brother. My brother was very sporty and gifted in various different areas. Then when I became a Christian, I threw in various different uh, preachers, etc. through through that And There was a financial component. And I built this image of the Nigel of the future um, that was somewhat of a Frankenstein, Frankenstein monster. An image of who I was going to be and make myself to be. Does, does anyone identify with that at all? That you're trying to make yourself into something because you feel that when you get there, you will be valuable and loved and precious. You know what? That's an idol. The image you need to be spending most time looking on is into the eyes of Jesus, who's looking at you and saying, You know what? you look just like me, you are so beautiful. Look into those eyes. You are a chip off the old block.
1: You what? You
0: just. Right. That's one of the greatest things about being a dad. Is you know, I I, I love it. He, even just this week. My, my, son, my son's living with us at the moment. And yesterday, the day before, we're sitting at the table and uh, he's just eating, as boys do. Uh, maybe I didn't need to clarify he was eating. because you know, He was at the table. He's eating. And he was just eating. But I looked over at like my son. My son is who I love. And I just saw this bear of a man. I
1: mean, he's just...
0: He's just this big dude, and he's a dude, you know, he told, he told me this week, someone tried to insult him and said to him, oh, Daniel, you're just such a, such a boy, such a man, and he went, oh, thank you, <laughs> and they were like, wasn't meant to be a compliment, he said, yeah, but it was to me."
1: I love that, and there was something in me that just,
0: I said, I got up, I said, give me a hug, boy, and he just gave me this great big bear hug. There's something in us. Do you know that's how Father is with you? He looks at you and He recognizes the image of
1: himself in you. He's like, ah, that's awesome. That's why
0: the image is so important. Commandment number three, the name. What's with the name? It's so much more than just don't swear. It's so much more than don't use the Lord's name in vain. The Bible in the New Testament says that the, uh, uh, the Father in heaven from wh- uh, whom every fatherhood on earth is de- uh, derived. Why is that? It's because we carry His name. When I, when I grew up, my dad and my mom used to say things to me. They would say, don't do that. You're a Desmond. I was like, okay. And it was like, uh, uh, listen, you're a Desmond. We're Desmonds. We don't do that.
1: I don't know what they were talking
0: about. But after a period of time, it just became a thing of, apparently, I'm a Desmond. And because I'm a Desmond, I can get through that. I can do that and I can't do certain things because I'm a Desmond. It just got in there. But you know what? We carry a higher name and
1: it's
0: His name. And so when you carry the name Christian, when you carry the name or you're identified with this God, it speaks about the character of your family. And we carry Him wherever we go. And that that speaks about our family. You see, family is the highest point of identity in the kingdom. That's the most amazing thing. And you know what? We're part of a divine family. We're part of a divine family. I, I love, you know, when... In different church cultures, people are like, Hey brother. Hey sister. We don't generally do that, but there's something powerful in that. The problem is, it became religified, and then people don't like to do it. But man, there's something powerful in that. I'm learning Hossa at the moment. And one of the things that first struck me about Hossa was that you greet everyone, the whole human race, like the family. That's Molo Bouti, Molo Sisi, Molo Tata. I'm like, wow, the whole world is family. You see, in carrying the name of God, we say we're part of that family. And then I'm going to just do the last one. The Sabbath. What's the Sabbath about? And the rest, it's more of a self explained. The Sabbath is about this. After all that, when God, God establishes who He is, our family, our identity, His nature, His character, His nature in us, then before we get to the other things, He's like, okay, just stop for a moment. Rest. Rest. Because you know what? Everything in the kingdom is birthed in rest. He works first. This is amazing. The Bible, you show the creation story. says, God works, God works, God works. Man is created on the sixth day. His first day is rest. So man becomes aware in the presence of God, and what should we do? God says, "Rest." That that was Adam and Eve's first day. What, what's the first thing we're gonna do? Oh, you know what I made you? There's a patch of weeding that needs to be done over uh, over there. You know, like God No 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 no. Say hey, hey whoa whoa whoa. God is literally. I've done all the work to set this up. This is the first thing I want you to do. I want you to rest and be with me. That's amazing. That that's the basis of a powerful walk with God. It's you start in rest and being with God. That's the power of the Sabbath. And then you'll go on in your fears. And the principles that God releases are family. Honoring father and mother. The principle of the protection of life. Thou shalt not murder. Marriage and covenant. Protection of property. Justice and truth. And then again, um, idolatry. Coveting is idolatry in, uh, in another form. And so those principles set up what it looks like to love people. That That actually... The first four commandments are about loving God. The next six are about loving people. This is the, these are the boundaries and the parameter, parameters of our life. The law was not given to bring you into relationships, but it does describe your relationship. It puts boundaries around things that are precious. For example, thou shalt not murder it puts boundaries around things that are important. How many of you have guessed that not killing people is an important part of, of being a human being? Yeah. Okay, one or two of you haven't. We've got this course. A <laughs> um, little bit concerned. I was, I was mentally thinking, okay, I need to speak to that person over tea. You know, about their murder habit.
1: Um, yeah.
0: So... so You know, the law, God gives His law to describe things that are precious and valuable. Marriage and covenant is valuable. Life is valuable. Property, ownership, it's valuable. The first property God gives you is you. The first thing you get to own is you. Justice and truth, it's valuable to God. Amen? And, um, and, and the last one, do, uh, do not cover That inner, uh, inner world, that you don't allow your inner world to be polluted by envy and, uh, and lust. And so as we dig into the subject of love this, uh, this year, I want you to position yourself in this place of knowing that God has called you into a relationship. He went looking for you. You didn't go looking for him. That's the most amazing thing. He went into Egypt and he said, I'm calling you out. For many of us, we were very unwilling deliveries. When the Lord came looking for me, I fought as hard as I could not to go to the Christian meetings I was invited to. I I literally, there was a weeks-long mission at my school and... um, it was like every person in the school kept on knocking on my door. I went, I went the first night, and God got his hook into me, and I could, feel the, the, I could feel the call of the Holy Spirit. And I was like, I'm not going back to that meeting. That's scary. I'm not going. And I became uncharacteristically studious. And the next night, someone knocked on my door and said, you, Nigel, you're coming to the meeting. And I was like, "I no, I've got to study I had never said that statement before.
1: <laughs>
0: and they left. Two minutes later, duck, 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 someone, you know, like by, by the fourth, fifth person, my excuse of, I have got to study. I was like, okay, and like a meek little lamb, I went there. Second night, came back, went into to, um, the, the guys, uh, the preacher who was in our uh, residence, to tell us, and I went in and I argued with him as much as I could because I did not want to become a Christian. And I fought against this guy, and everything I tried to say that had been so effective in my argumentation before just did not work. And so I went back to my room and I made a deal with God on the quiet. I said, God, listen, okay, I give my life to you on the quiet. I said, but don't tell anyone. I've got a wreck, Jesus. The next day I went into that, I was quiet. I didn't say anything. I just listened this time. I wasn't arguing because I was secretly on the team.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> the next night I went back and I'm sitting there quietly and at a certain point the guy turned around and he looked me in the eyes and he said, Nigel, what about you? Have you given your life to Jesus? And he asked me this question publicly in front of all my friends and all the juniors and everyone and I'm like like a deer in the headlights and I realized this was my moment. I would either own up or deny God and it was a crossroad in my life. And I can remember looking at him going yes yeah I asked Jesus into my life two nights ago and everyone was like because my, <clears throat> my nickname wasn't a very nice one at that stage there. They called me Demon. <laughs> they dropped the S and the final D. Because I was a nasty piece of work. <laughs> Trust me, I'm your pastor. Okay, confession time. I remember walking out of that hallway, out of that door, into the hallway... And the manifested presence of the Holy Spirit dropped on me for the first time that I can remember. It was so unlike anything I'd ever felt. It was so tangible that I literally felt like I was floating down the corridor. For years afterwards, I used to think back on that moment and and wonder, did I levitate down the corridor? It was so real, this feeling of floating. I don't know if it was that just the burden of my sins came off or... Just I, I don't know what it was, but the manifested presence of God just covered me in, uh, in that moment. And I want to tell you something. I didn't go looking for God. He came looking for me. You didn't go looking for God. God came looking for you. God knows you. He lo- He loves you. So this year, this is what God is called, I believe, God wants for you. God's saying, Stop. Stop. Let me love you. Let me love you. Let me fill you with my love. Take on you, my perspective on your life. Believe my word stronger than anything else. Believe my truth, my word. If you want to know who you are, look in my face. Have that image in uh, in front of you. Have that image. Nothing else. No other idols. If you want to know Whose you are, remember you part of this one divine family. You belong to Jesus, and then rest in him. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing, for what you have done, and what you're still to do. Lord, I ask that you would release wisdom and revelation in us. That we would know the boundaries and the borders. Or actually Lord, we would know the dimensions. That's what I'm looking for. The dimensions of your immense love for us. And in us. And towards us. Lord, I ask that you would fill us now with your manifested, tangible love. Amen.
1: Thanks for listening to the Beautiful Life Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our channel below. If
0: you would like to keep in contact with us, you can sign up for our newsletter by emailing us at info at no ordinary or visit
1: our website. If you have any testimonies, please email us. We'd love to hear them. Until next time.